I think that is a disgrace. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Fire Up as we count down to the 2021 Rugby League Finals. And already the dogs are barking for Mad Monday celebration. It really is about the only thing to look forward to this season as we battle lockdowns, crackdowns and backdowns. I'm Dennis Carnahan, once again joined remotely in lockdown by the number one lobbyist for consistency, resilience and Peter Volandis, Chris Gale. And at the controls, bewildered because he wasn't born the last time a downtown penalty was awarded, is Redfern Pat and we're here to fire up about the comedy, tragedy and mathematics of this week in Rugby League. Now, there was some exceptionally ordinary Rugby League this week. Of course, people are looking at refereeing blunders and I'm sorry Chris, inconsistencies and thank goodness for the welcome bit of off-field misbehaviour and we'll be delving deep into all of those things here today because there is nothing else to look at. Dragon V Rooster, a stinker, drop balls, ineptitude and smugness that almost justifies making new reasons to hate the Roosters a whole standalone podcast. Eel V Cowboy, soporific, somnolent, Tiger V Shark, torpid, benign, Titan V Storm, moribund, miserable, but there has been more tragedy. Another major star has been removed from the once great constellation that was Channel 9. Following on from the tragic news of Peter Sterling standing down and with the long expected hanging up of the binoculars by the voice of Rugby League, Ray Rabbits Warren, this week we discover the controversial superstar and Joey John's nemesis, Aaron Molan, will be stepping down as well at the end of this season. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos, and with muffled drum, bring out the coffin. Let the mourners come. Over the last few weeks as I've driven down the Gore Hill Freeway past number 15 Richmond Avenue Willoughby, I've watched in despair as the giant monument to 20th century media, culture, society and rugby league, the broadcast antenna at the former home of television is dismantled girder by girder. Channel 9 has already left Willoughby, its carcass being fought over and torn apart by rugby-loving property developers. And in the driver's seat of the crane dismantling the tower, John Rebo de Brezac. Super League has finally won, 16 years after the passing of league lover Kerry Packer. From the 20 teams of the magnificent 1990 flagship NRL season, uh, ARL season, we've got this PVL lopsided rubbish. And what of the Super League teams? Adelaide Rams, Hunter Mariners, Western Reds, gone! Brisbane, Canterbury, North Queensland, bottom three. Auckland, now the homeless, vagrant, Vodafone wandering warriors, Canberra and Cronulla, fighting for the scraps of eighth place. The only anomaly, Penrith. 
What does Penrith have that the others didn't? But as Channel 9 is dismantled and Rupert Vision takes over all things rugby league television and waits being given a fully funded ABC from a re-elected Morrison government as a late birthday gift for his 90th this year and as a thank you for getting re-elected next year, we need to look at what a post-Sterling, post-Warren, post-Molan commentary world looks like. Chris Gale, can you put down your abacus and stop calculating the Tigers' chances of making the finals for one moment and give us some hope, some sort of shining light that the future of rugby league will be safe after the fall of Channel 9 is complete. SBS Viceland, Dennis Carnahan, forget your streaming services, forget your Netflix, your Netflix, your Amazons, your Paramount Plus, for God's sake. Rugby league has a home and it already exists in terrestrial television. If you watch SBS Viceland, all the time as I do. It's the perfect blend of cult movies, endless programs about <laughs> sex, but it's a little bit short on sport. You might get a bit of basketball. There is a soft landing for rugby league. Now, it's going to be a niche audience, but let's face it. I've read the writing. I've had a look at the Olympic schedule. Rugby league is a niche sport. SBS Viceland is the future home of the National Thank Rugby League. goodness for it. But what are they going to do for commentators? I mean, is that is that what's happening? Is, is that where Aaron and Rabs and Peter Sterling are going to go? Because everyone else on Channel 9 has gone to Rupert Vision. You know, Jake Duke, JJ, friend of the show, he's gone. The whole of Channel 9 has moved there. Well, I think the Channel 9 commentary team, as they are and were and will not much longer be, Dennis, have read the writing on the wall. And uh, there's probably no greater evidence of that than there's a poll out at the moment to which 21,000 people have already responded about who your favourite NRL commentator currently is. Did you see the numbers or should I take you through them? I saw the numbers, but I'd love you to take me through them as well because I I, I only saw them with my brain. I haven't got your maths to analyse them. Okay, so who is your favourite NRL commentator? Dennis, Who, if you were put to that question, who would you be putting forward? I'd be tossing a coin between. This is on television, of course. On television, I'd be, I'd be because to- you know the ABC has its own radio commentators, and that's a different thing. Because once Rupert buys them, they'll probably change anyway. But or what gets given them, um, it, it really is for me a toss of the coin between Was and Voss. I, 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 I wouldn't. I would hate to. Ha- I would hate to have them as my children and have to choose one as my favourite. I love them both. Okay. Well, the surprising result is the most popular commentator on television right now is Cooper Cronk. No, no, I've got that wrong. Um, <laughs> Vossi comes in at a whacking great thirty-five percent, and therefore is obviously cle- clearly seen as the lead voice on Fox League, bolstered by a good solid ten percent from Warren Smith. And here's a little bit of a left field result: twelve percent for Dan Ganane, sort of hopping across from Triple M. And I think he sort of drag that radio style with him. But if I can do the numbers very quickly, Dennis, there's 57% of the populace goes around that Fox League area, right? Now, there's a name Mm. that features very prominently that's not Fox League at the top echelons of that table. And who might that be? At the top? Yeah. I have no idea. Come on, Ray Rabbits Warren, of course. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Is he on the list? Rabbits comes in second at 30%. And basically- I mean, how many games has he called this year? I, I've got it at about four. About four. So, so what's the percentages? 30, so 35% for the Voss, Voss. 30% yep. Warren. So, they're your two figureheads, right? And we're already in deep concern with the departure of Sterlo and Aaron and so forth that Rabs is going, Channel 9 is going. Then we go down to Ganane, 12%, Warren Smith, 10%. Others, 
9%. God knows who they are. Oh, see, I, I, it's, this is why I needed to throw to you, because when I read it, I saw the Warren, and I thought it was Warren Smith. <laughs> I didn't realise that Rabs was on there. I thought it was a Rabs 3 event. No, no, I no, no. Warren Smith's only 10%. Only 10%, because he's in a shadow of Aussie, obviously. That blows my mind. So, and, and, and as I said, Danganane's brought the radio content in, and it's been a bit of a difficult thing. And, and I would say to Warren, and Warren's a friend of this show, and he's been a regular appearer on Fire Up over the years, Drop Cooper. Like, the, the Cooper and Was show, it's not working. You know, the Butcher Baker, all that sort of stuff with the Roosters bench. I mean, get back to yeah. calling footy. That's what you do best. That's just a personal thing. Now, others, I don't get, know. Get back to some Get back to some good old, take me now, I have <laughs> seen, seen it all. <laughs> but others, it's not specified. Whether you're throwing in your Corey Parkers, your Braiths, your brilliant <laughs> Ennis's, I don't know. <laughs> but below that, if you do the maths, because that, that agglomeration is 9%. You get man or, dare I say, person, jack of all trades or Jill of all trades, Brenton Speed. I mean, ser- seriously, he yeah. call a traffic light changing at Fox and Payne too. And he comes across that way in my view. Yes, he strides across football, AFL, basketball, rugby league, rugby union, but he's not interesting. But this is the real concern that I've got, Dennis, and this is the real bellwether that Channel 9 has got it in for us one way or the other. Their lead commentator, Matt Thompson, Polls a whopping great 2%. Yes. Now, I, I can put that down to the fact that I know- Where, where was this poll held? Straight away. Just the NRL- It's an NRL it, fan poll. Was it- was, but, 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 but is it NRL fans? Is it on the News Limited website or is it on the NRL website? I'm just reading stats courtesy of NRL fan poll- in a do believe a Murdoch publication, yes. Yes, because what I think you'll find is that these Murdoch publications, whenever they have a poll that involves Raiders, they are so overrepresented because the Raiders fan base is quite viral. So there's, there's not that many of them, but they'll vote. So you'll find the Raiders well overrepresented in Players of the Week poll kind of things. And I think you'll find that that, what was that person's name that got 2%? I, I can't, I, I can hardly remember it. Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson. Matt Thompson, of all people. So he's not going to raise well in any poll which is voted on by Canberra Raiders fans because when Sam Williams scored his second double in 10 years, not four of six weeks ago, against the Manly Ringer Seagulls, he came out and said, Sam Williams of all people, how dare he? How dare he? Of course he's going to get 2%. I mean, he's lucky to have got 2% for that. <laughs> so Dennis, you clearly don't understand how a poll works. If someone's opposed to Matt Thompson, they don't direct their vote away to somebody else. Yeah, they do. Right? They typically just don't vote for Matt, right? <laughs> and and so I don't think that the, the 2% is, is in any way an expression of the disgruntlement of Canberra Raiders supporters. And let's face it, they've got a lot to be disgruntled about. But this has been a concerted campaign by Channel 9 to apply what I call the Ray Warren Rabbits principle. And the Ray Warren Rabbits principle is a commercially driven issue involving all the electronics leviathans around the world who are offloading all their surplus LED, ultra 4K, high-D screens on an unassuming Australian public through the likes of your good guys, your Bing Lees, your JB Hi-Fi's, et cetera, et cetera. You've done it Now, again. Ray Warren, you'll, you'll, you'll meet no greater fan of Ray Warren than me. And every game that he calls, I'm watching and listening because I know it's not going to last forever. And God forbid that they don't give him his 100th Origin game come Origin 1, 2022. But Ray... I don't know quite know how to put this, but uh, in his later years, he's a little florid, I think this might be the way I would describe it. And and so his skin tone 
Oh, so you, you are ta- you are talking about him himself rather than his uh, vocabulary. It's not so much that Correct. he's speaking more floridly; it's that more Ray the, on screen. The grog bloom is in big time bloom. Right. So when was the last time you saw Ray on screen? Like probably when he was on Channel Ten. Right? Okay, I, I haven't seen him on screen a lot, but I have seen him in the flesh. Um, within the last couple of months at Bankwest, as you call it, in the corridors, and the bloom was looking florid. Right. So, that's just where he is in his life and and his uh, experiences and so forth. And so, therefore, you know, since he was calling the AMCO Cup, they haven't had him on screen. Mm. And the reason they haven't had him on screen was that they actually went down the route of actually having him as the face of the Channel 9 Rugby League coverage. And, you know, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this afternoon, Parramatta Play South Sydney, out here at Parramatta Stadium, as it was then called, and they'd cut to Ray, and they would receive a litany of complaints because people would be taking their televisions back to their retailers and saying, (laughs) you promised me more realistic skin tones. I'm watching Ray Warren. (laughs) The guy is crimson. What's going on here, right? And so Channel 9 says, well, we've got to keep people buying TV so they can watch our channel and consume the products that we're pushing. So they made the decision to push Ray off screen. Now, as Ray is quite rightly rationing his efforts, you have to bring forward new talent. And a Matt Thompson. Now, listen, I don't mind Matt's calls. He stood it admirably for James Bracey in six tackles with Gus the podcast. He's amusing. He's a fan. But they don't put him on screen because they're abiding by the Ray Warren principle. And I am taking this opportunity, Dennis, that I don't know what's going to happen with the rights. I mean, Volandis is under siege from AFL the Olympics, the universe. I mean, the game is probably going to end up on SBS. But if it stays on Channel 9, the word is there's moves afoot to bring back into the commentary booth Ray Bolts Hadley. Oh, God, help us. Don't you feel like we've just dodged a bullet because he was wheeled into NRL 360 about six weeks ago in what was now termed the Icon era. And he's suddenly gone from our screens. And I'm assuming Vonnie just said, there's no way I'm working with that man and on a long-term good basis. Honor. Thank you, Vonnie. Thank you. Hasn't been on NRL 360 for the last three weeks. But is this because he's positioning for a return to the booth? I am going to take it as a personal responsibility to get the image of Matt Thompson, who's quite a good-looking man, into our Facebooks, into our socials, and I'm going to keep pushing this barrow. I want to turn Mr. 2% into Mr. 32% before next season is out to shore up the future of rugby league coverage on Channel 9, assuming that it doesn't go to the Channel 10 paramount conglomerate with things that are completely out of yours and mind control. Okay. Well, first thing we're going to need to do is to introduce him to Sam Williams, and he, he needs to sit in a room with Sam with a lamp. No, no this, is, this is bigger than Canberra, Dennis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sam Williams' reputation, collateral damage. It's Ray Hadley we're talking about here. Ray Hadley. Okay, I'm just looking at pictures of Matthew Thompson. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. I mean, I'm sure if you do a Google search on Matt Thompson, no, you'll probably come it. up a couple of lawyers and accountants. Someone is on the World Bank. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's some strange characters out there. Um, there's an animator. There's a soccer commentator. There's a soccer player. There's an Australian soccer player. There's a senior reporter for the AFL. <laughs> This is all terrifying stuff. 
<sighs> anyway, so is is the return of Bolts imminent, or is this surely this is not going to happen? It's rumored, Dennis. It's rumored. But if Matt Thompson languishes at two percent, we're in enormous trouble. So let's assume Rabbits gets the send off. He rightly deserves next season. We have got to do everything in our power to build up the reputation yep. of the new voice of rugby league, Matt Thompson. Now that's assuming the Vossil Warren don't get a gig at Channel Nine. And let me tell you, I'm not a betting man, but if I was. If Ray Hadley returns to Channel 9, I think it's a safe bet to assume that Andrew Voss will not be returning to Channel 9. Uh, well, maybe that's maybe that's why he was um, axed. Maybe that's why he's axed off 360, because we did, we did get a text message that came into the ABC on the weekend saying, um, can you tell me why um, Hadley, or Bolts, has been taken off NRL 360, and Andrew Moore is well publicised, not a big fan, <laughs> read it out just so we could say, I really seriously don't care, and you've got the wrong radio station. That's the whole reason he read it out. But let's go on to some more cheery things again, and there has been some wonderful things. Mad Monday is still, it's just two weeks away, Chris. It's just two weeks away. And already we've got Josh Dugan, perennial off-field misbehaviour with the cruisers on the roof and so many wonderful things fishing through. Fishing from the back of a tinny in the streets of Cronulla was that him or was that was that Toddy Carney? Dugs <laughs> has had a lot, and what's and what's Dugs? Do, do you recall what Dugs did? Did you hear about his work this weekend? So, as the report goes, the Cronulla star. So you automatically go, <laughs> is this person writing this article, knowing anything about rugby league? And uh, the Cronulla star was stopped in a car in Lithgow during a patrol on August twenty, around eleven thirty p.m. And speaking of matters around COVID, Dennis, by the way, expect to hear from the authorities. If you've been driving past the uh, dismantling Channel 9 Tower in Willoughby, I think you're way outside your five-kilometre radius, but that's another matter. (laughs) And he told police that he and his passenger, a 30-year-old male, unidentified, uh, I'm assuming it's not Blake Ferguson, were moved to the area, were moving to the area and were going to feed the animals. (laughs) Reasonable excuse. And he later then told the officers that they were going to doss down at a friend's house for the weekend. Anyway, uh, background checks were done. You live in Guy Mayer and Alexandra, boys, on your way. 40 minutes later, travelling away from Sydney, Dukes was sponsored again, spotted again, pulled over by the cops in order to return home. They were heading to a place called Yet Home. Are you familiar with Yet Home around the Lithgow area? I'm familiar with the name, yes. Okay, I think it's a recreation of something from Lord of the Rings. Now- I think Dukes will then be putting the article that uh, putting the argument that the GPS on his car wasn't working and he was pursuing all best endeavours to head back in the direction of the former Endeavour Oval down in the Shire. But uh, the unfortunate thing for Dukes is, of course, that people haven't really cued into what his status is because no better a rugby league authority than Peter Fitzsimons immediately hopped on Twitter <laughs> and went, if proven, that must be season over. He jeopardises the whole competition. Many, many people were quick to point out to Peter that, of course, Dugues, while still being subject to some of the NRL restrictions, is not actually in the bubble, not actually in Queensland, not actually playing for the Sharks at the moment. And so, therefore, this may well be his last hurrah. And, mm. gee, it's so unlike Peter Fitzsimons to get something wrong in relation to rugby league. But... Uh, uh, everyone says that this might be it for Dukes uh, as far as NRL goes, but that's okay. There's a little thing called Super League. Yes, there is. And then, of course, on oh, the Japanese rugby, of course. And then, of course, a friend of the show, Billy Buttons, Adrian Prashenko, has come out and he's uh, – I worry about his credentials. He works for the Sydney Morning Herald, which is a nine paper. 
And I worry about his credentials sitting there saying that Dugues may have his contract terminated. Now, this sounds much more like a rugby thing or a corporate thing, but it's not rugby league. You'll find that Buzz Rothfield talking about the Curtis Scott incident, which we'll get to as well, that Curtis Scott has had his contract torn up by the Canberra Raiders. Not terminated, not shredded, torn up, as it should be. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, Prosecco is a pioneer. He's trying to change the language, trying to change the vernacular. He referred recently, as we highlighted on this show, about someone potentially having their contract ripped up. Oh. I mean, going to ter- terminate it, it's just modern gobbledygook. It's, it's, it's corporate speak, Dennis. If you have your contract torn up, everybody understands it. They accept it. If you go into a modern NRL player and say, we're considering terminating your contract, they don't even know what you're talking about. No, absolutely not. But Curtis Scott, as I mentioned, he's gone. And this comes from his uh, fight in the Kokomo nightclub, which followed up with his Australia Day drink last year, which also apparently followed up with a- This was leaked. There was a fight with him and Johnny Bateman after a Raiders function, which was then all- Hush huffed and covered up, and he's accusing the Raiders of not looking after him because of his, you know, he's come out and said he's having mental health issues. And this seems to be a common thing for people leaving the Raiders, claiming that they're suffering mental health issues, and that's why, and the Raiders being merciless towards them. So, so Curtis said a, he's had a rough run in many oh, ways, he has. and and I was, you know, a big supporter of his in the. Morton Bay Fig thing where he registered his protest about the direction of Australian Rugby Union by falling asleep drunk <laughs> outside the headquarters of Rugby Australia. And uh, he's facing difficult times and he's been up front with Buzz, no greater a, a, a luminary than Buzz about his battles with alcohol. And I found it slightly disingenuous that the Raiders says that um, we've torn up his contract, but we will continue to be working with him on his welfare. But, I mean, that's the type of... Mess of a club that you support, Dennis. And when Buzz brought to light the fact that Curtis took a swing at John Bateman, is there any well-thinking rugby league fan out there said, I wouldn't mind having a swing at that guy too? Because he didn't do you that many favours, Dennis. No, he didn't. And he left under a cloud as well. And they always do this to us. Poor old Raiders. But anyway. (laughs) Well, as we always say, how is it that a player from the north of England takes a look around Canberra and spends a season and then said, you know what, I'd rather go back to the north of England. That just well, speaks Elliot, volumes. Well, Elliot Whitehead has said he's staying in Canberra. He's becoming a straight. He hasn't got citizenship, but he has got permanent residency. And he did describe in an article when he was fly- he flew into Melbourne when he first came to Australia and then had to fly up to Canberra over the desolate uh, <laughs> The, the nothingness that is between Canberra and Melbourne. And he said, what am I doing here? I'm flying over sand dunes. I'm flying over vast wastelands of Gippsland. It's just like, what? why am I here? My wife, he went back two weeks later, saw his wife and said, oh, you're not going to like it. Turns out they do. Turns out they do. Turns out they do. But onto happier notes, Adam Elliott, friend, <laughs> perpetual friend of the show, Adam Elliott, who doesn't mind putting a bit of sweet Caroline on and grabbing the wedding tackle. He's been um, he's been done for <laughs> in a bathroom in the Gold Coast for having a pash. Yes, it. Like a lot of rugby league stories, Dennis, it started out with a barbecue. <laughs> so. They, they had a post-match barbecue following their defeat to the uh, comparatively high-flying Newcastle Knights when you talk about your team and my team, if not Redfern, Pat's team. And barbecues are just a magnet for trouble right now in rugby league, Dennis, and I, I mm. refer to this in George Illawarra's situation. Anyway, because they are in the Gold Coast bubble and they've within the parameters, as we understand, of their restrictions and COVID requirements, they've moved on to the White Rhino Bar and Eats. And... 
It seems fairly clear to me that there should be some restricted zones no matter what level of COVID security you're under in the NRL and Cavill Avenue in Surface Paradise would be one of those (laughs) no-go exclusion zones. But unfortunately, it isn't and the White Rhino Bar and Eats is in Cavill Avenue. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, look, uh, again, Matt, Adam has had uh, struggles with alcohol and, in fact, apparently had not had a drink for the last seven months and somehow he's- Since- Yeah, his, his last drink was seven months ago. What, what happened? Well, that was another patching incident. And, and uh, I, I think I'm seeing a theme here, alcohol, patching. Uh, well, I think we can reveal on this show that Adam Ellett is auditioning to be the next Bachelor because basically they're the two main elements in The Bachelor as far as I can tell. There's a lot of alcohol consumed and you make out a hell of a lot. And it's if you, you might have moral concerns. He's a separated person. He's single, so- uh, he's uh, within his uh, moral compass feeling like I need to get some runs on the board <laughs> or to get a gig in The Bachelor. But anyway, with two rounds to go, his Canterbury mates have got around him and said, mate, you've made it this far. What's a drink now with less than <laughs> two weeks to go? And Adam, unfortunately, has gone, I'm in. Do you know where he ended up? I want to know. He's he's at the White Rhino. Where's he gone? Well, there, there was... Some wives and girlfriends and players and partners and some uh, other elite sportsmen, Charlotte Kaslick, for example, from the Australian Rugby Sevens, and uh, NRLW Brisbane Broncos player Millie Boyle. Now, Millie Boyle! Millie Boyle and Adam Elliott are both products of that rugby league heartland where the, the likes of, if I stand correct on this, but I believe Dale Finucane and Kezi Apps hail yep. from yep. Bega, yep. Yep. south coast of New South Wales. And Dennis, when, oh, what a great place it when is. two people get together, having not seen each, other, seen each other for quite a long time, and they've had, in Millie's words, maybe a few too many, what's the one thing you're going to do when one beagerite encounters another beagerite? Well, I can tell you that my, my first ever pash was with Melissa Butcher, who I met on a church camp. She's from Bega, and on the, on the bus trip back, we passed in the back of the bus. Now, if if I if I ever see her again, straight to the bathroom, passing. Right. If she'll have me, like this is no. It's just it's how it is. It's it's how bigger works. Right, how, it's a great place for exactly that. How old were you when that happened? About twenty three or what? And um, <laughs> so so that's what's occurred. And, and it's sort of out of some sort of respect for the context and whatever that Adam and Millie just saw. We'll just retreat to the bathroom just for a quiet kiss, and it's kind of blown up in their faces because of the paranoia that goes around rugby league. Gus Gould, who's now enmeshed in the Bulldogs, and he must be regretting this decision already, says Adam's been guilty of grade five stupidity. And and that is the lot of the modern, modern rugby league player. Now, it's working its way through the system, Dennis, but God forbid that we reconvene here in a week's time and said, guess what happened to Adam Elliott's contract with the Bulldogs? Uh, as long as it's not terminated or ripped up. Like, I hope it doesn't get it, well, but at least if it's, if it's going to be done, give it due process and tear it up. Well, there's a, uh, a bit of a salary cap issue that uh, might with uh, Thompson from the, uh, the UK deciding he wants to continue under the Trent Barrett train that there's every risk that Porrell Adams' contract will be torn up. But we hope not so because- so much in life, so much of our journey, so much of where we end up as people, Dennis, they start out with a kiss. Started with a kiss. The back row of the classroom. How could I resist? 
Outraged. There was a, a music trivia competition online game thing that that had hot chocolate as a one-hit wonder. Oh my goodness! And I'm I'm wondering which hit, which of their many hits, was the one hit. But in this competition, that wasn't it. I think I can't remember which one it was, but it, you know that was one of their hits. And what a great hit it was! But but what didn't start with a kiss was Nathan's moustache. I, I can't see that anyone would really want to be kissing that. It's a vile thing and it's still there. But it's been allowed to continue. His dad hasn't said to him, son, this is a razor and here's how you do it. He's just left it sitting there. And it's been it, it's been everywhere. But the, the Penrith thing I mentioned in the opener, Chris, Penrith, they're the only Super League team that are actually doing well this season and they're flying high, the Panthers. what They, they seem to be getting some favouritism. Amongst the game, amongst the the referees, they're the most penalised. They they earn the least penalties, and they played against the rabbits, who give away the least penalties. And yet, they got an eleven-two penalty count. What is doing? So, you know that I'm a skeptic, Dennis, and I don't believe in conspiracy theories. So, I'm just simply going to evidence. And I want to put this evidence in front of you and tell me what any well-clear-thinking person would conclude. If we go back a few weeks, Billy Army kick out, clear crusher on Joey Manu, no charge laid. It was there for all to see. Jump forward to the next Mm -hmm. week. Nathan, shoulder, well, as I like to refer to it, shoulder attack on poor old Jack Bird. Shoulder attack charge. No shoulder attack charge on Mm. Nathan Cleary. Now, we jump forward to, and boy, I'm holding my breath to next Monday's episode of Wild West Tales from Tiger Town, where I think the punishment will be over. I believe it's the final episode. But I reflected last week that, you know, probably the highlight of our season was the victory against a somewhat underpowered Penrith Panthers at Leichhardt Oval and the absolutely beautiful come together as a community moment of when the crowd turned to the coaches' boxes we had went ahead by 14 with less than 10 minutes to go and chanted Ivan's a wanker. You as a, mm. as a Canberra fan said it was the greatest moment of the season. Oh, it was beautiful. Poetry. It was glo- it was wonderful. Art. But it was omitted from the Tales from Tiger Town. You've got- Censored. You, Censored. You've got Madge Swearingen recreating numerous scenes from Deadwood in forensic detail, but they didn't want, for some reason, to cast any negative light on Ivan Cleary. You know, any indication that he's anything other than a terrific guy and a wonderful coach and not a wanker, despite evidence to the contrary. Hello, who's on the bus? Now we get against the least penalised team, and I know Redfern Pat would be feeling this most keenly, the least penalised team in the NRL, i.e. the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I mean, these are clean skins, these boys. There's no grubbiness in the Reynolds and the Walkers of the world. I mean, for God's sake, Benji Marshall plays with them. Tom Burgess. Oh. And by the way, you see George Burgess on the Matty John show again? I'm telling you. And 11 to 2, as you highlighted, 11 to 2. And it just whistled the rabbits out of the game and got Penrith's grand final tilt well and truly on course. This is just overwhelming evidence, Dennis, that the Penrith Panthers, and Ivan Cleary in particular, the world, the most evil man in rugby league, has something on the NRL, and they're kowtowing to him. They're bending over and they're copying it 
And you may as well just etch the name, get the guy out in the engraving on the summons proven trophy, because it should be the summons proven trophy because of what happened in that 63 grand final, and just put in Penrith Panthers now. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you're far more expert at this than I am, Dennis, but there was one penalty in particular that proves the conspiracy theory. Am I correct? Well, I love Joey Atkins. What a great bloke Joey Atkins is. And Joey Atkins, <laughs> there were some rabbits, um, some feral rabbits on a feral rabbit uh, chat group going on and on about the fact that Joey, he's actually just received a, a reward from the Penrith referees for his services <laughs> to refereeing. Um, congratulations to him. He's one of the leading referees. But Joey, Joey pulled out a word which, oh, it shook me. It, it rattled me to the core. The word was Downtown. Now, the last time I heard a downtown penalty, if I may, Chris, was a semi-final in the minor semi-final in uh, 1988 between the Tigers and the Raiders. And this is where Ricky Stewart has booted the ball downfield, has given it a big hoof. And this is when the downtown rule was in vogue, that you could have kicking duels and you weren't allowed to park your props, your dead Marines, downfield on the 40 and the 30 metre line, and then hoof it down in your kicking duel. They weren't allowed to approach the kicker until the kicker started to move. So if they, were, if they were be, weren't behind the kicker, they couldn't move until the kicker was in front of them or until the player had moved 10 metres. Radar Boot Conlon goes for the ball and as he's trying to catch it, because it was a spiralling torpedo, as he's trying to catch it, he gets it and then is absolutely belted by one Richard J. Stewart. He loses the ball, Rick runs away and picks up the ball and is off to score. He's called back! He's called back! And the referee says, downtown! And Ricky says, and it was straight mid-close-up on his face, but I, Michael Lucking, kicked it! He couldn't have been downtown. I had it. And, and who'd they call the downtown? And they called it on Mark Nosey Nichols. Canberra boy, Mark Nosey Nichols was called downtown. Now, it was technically, by the 1988 rules, he was downtown. downtown. He was in front of the kicker. And then when the kick return came up, it hadn't moved 10 metres. And he... He didn't get involved in the tackle. When the ball came out in the tackle, he grabbed it. And he was called downtown. And the players, Reynolds was going, downtown? Downtown! I've never heard of it. Reynolds wasn't born in 1988 when the penalty was last awarded. None of them were. So the rule book is being used uh, in Penrith's favour, Dennis. By the way, who won that 1988 minor semi-final between Balmain and Canberra? Unjustly, it was the, uh, it was the Tigers. Now, if they're going to win that, they really should have gone on won the grand final, which, you know, the Raiders lost the following week, 1918, a field goal, a Terry Lamb yeah, field yeah. goal, well, kicked them out of the grand we've final. We've all got issues with Terry Lamb that year, but by the way, Dennis, that oh, yeah. particular game in 1988, yeah. I was there. Of course you were. What, all of them? I didn't get to the grand final. I couldn't get in there for love or money, but uh, I was at- Well, you know what, Chris, for the grand final in 1988? I was yeah, there. but you were- Drunk, if I'm correct in saying. I was at, no, that was the 87 when I was oh, drunk. Right. I was reasonably drunk for the 88 one, but I was where, where we were sitting, our seats were right in front. We were probably 30 rows back, but right in front of us was where Terry Lamb smacked your boy. Outrage. Outrage. Ellery can eat celery. Anyway. Ellery can eat celery. Yes. But where were we? So, so Penrith clearly they're favoured sons of the NRL. There's 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 dirty work afoot. Forget the storms. Competition's over. Penrith have got it. Look, put your house, put your grandmother's house, put your grandmother's beach house on the fact that Penrith are going to win. That evidence, you can't argue with it. I'm, I'm not hearing anything to the contrary. 
No, nothing at all. And speaking of which, that Nathan Cleary's moustache that we started with, Nathan, it, it's been it's been on the anti-vax ad on the on sorry on the on the pro-vax <laughs> the pro-vax ad. The NRL's got a pro-vax ad, and it starts with the moustache. Well, well, you've got a number of rugby league players exalting people to get out and get vaccinated, Dennis, and and all power to them. But interestingly, you should mention that because. Nathan is one of the faces, and despite him saying the boys have been giving me a bit of stick, I might shave the moustache off. He, you got me saying moustache now. Um, <laughs> uh, he hasn't, and he appears with moustache in the ad, and there is about to hit our screens an anti-vax ad saying, Nathan Cleary is in favour of vaccination. Look at what happens to you. And, you know, <laughs> and that grotesque image of him with the moustache, which I will put on our Facebook. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, they're, they're going to get some traction. Because that is not a good look. And speaking of vaxxers, we've also got Uncle Nick. Uncle Nick's coming out and saying that if if the Chook supporters aren't vaccinated, they won't be going into the new Sydney footy stadium when it's finished next year. Now, the question I'll put to you, Chris, you're you're secretly a member of several Roosters fan groups, uh, part of your community service. Um, do any of these people go to games? Like, what, there's four or five of them? Have they Are they anti-vaxxers? Well, they might go to games, but if they lose and there's like a celebration for someone like Jake Friend who pl- only played about a 1,000 games for the Roosters, <laughs> they don't stay around to celebrate, I can tell you that much. Um, I uh, mean, the biggest, what- question, the, the biggest question here is what will they call that stadium? But, no, you're, you're right, Dennis. The, the, there's been a lot of jokes being made about the Roosters and their attendance. But seriously, when Politis gets on the front foot and says the only way to get crowds safely back in big numbers, which is not a concept the Roosters are familiar with at home games <laughs> – at all, is to get everybody doubled vaxxed. And the quote is, we want members and fans, on the assumption that Roosters members aren't necessarily fans of the game, they go for other reasons, you know. Such as yourself. That's right. <laughs> to network, socially climb, and be seen in the vicinity of Rico and, uh, uh, or sorry, Mr. Waterhouse. Um, if we want members and fans to feel safe about coming to the football and knowing the people they are sitting next to have been fully vaccinated, this is the only way it's going to be able to be done. He says it might upset a minority of supporters, but it's the only way forward. Now, it's very admirable from Uncle Nick, and he's a great humanitarian and a terrific human being. And I can understand his argument, but they're not getting that many people through the gates of this tennis. And, I mean, you know these eastern suburbs types. I mean, that is an absolute hot spot. Well, it was the original <laughs> hot spot for the Delta variant. And the anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists who are probably signing up the Lux to my Penrith theory right now I mean, I, my understanding is that the double vax uh, people in the eastern suburbs is, you know, bubbling on at about 11%. So, and that number's not moving despite Gladys's best efforts and even the Murdoch press running a campaign saying it is a race. So I, I think that the Roosters are running the risk of opening up a gleaming new, let's say, Allianz Stadium, capacity 42,000, 43,000, and they're going to get about 3,000 well, if they get 3,000 to a Roosters home game, they probably succeeded. They've actually increased. Yeah. I, th- I think I think what you find is that this is um, current Nick looking after future Nick so that when no one turns up for the Roosters, he can say, well, it's because these Eastern Suburbs types aren't getting vaccinated and that's all. It's all. They're not because no one likes the Roosters. But speaking of the Roosters, Connor Watson. Connor Watson. Now, I believe his father, Randy Watson, is quite a singer. But Connor Watson is leaving the Knights and he's, um, he's off to the Roosters. Is that right? <laughs> That is absolutely correct. He's taking less money to go back down the highway to play for Robbo and um, experience and immerse himself in some more of the rooster's way. 
Well, can we have a listen to what Adam O'Brien said about Connor Watson? Last week, on one of the mornings last week, I could see how much this was weighing him down, and I think I remember giving him a hug. It was like hugging a corpse. <laughs> Probably should be thinking going to the storm if he's a corpse. They can reanimate him with whatever the juice or mechanicals are that they have down there. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear that because if you actually looked at where the Knights were mid-season, and it seems a fairly safe bet, almost as safe as Penrith winning the comp, that the Knights are going to qualify for the top eight. And basically, I think someone, only someone familiar with, you know, the necromantic arts, as Adam O'Brien clearly is, would have been able to breathe the life into the corpse that was the Newcastle Knights mid-season. But uh, uh, it's a, probably a whole other discussion. But um, how do you actually use that as an analogy? I mean, when was the last time you were embracing a cadaver? It's an, it's an unusual concept. It really is. Well, speaking of cadavers, the Raiders are still mathematically a chance. They should make the eight. They uh, All they need is the Storm to beat the Sharks in the last round and to win their two games, one against the Warriors, one against the Roosters. If they do that, they're not a cadaver, but they're feeling pretty cadaverish at the moment. Yeah, but, the, the Raiders are the barely walking dead right now. Yeah, but, but my man Rick, he had a bit to say about it. Welcome to Thinking Forty with the game's greatest thinker, Rick Stewart. Oh, I tell you, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed for the players because, you know, we'd be in the grand final if it was down to courage and uh, effort. But unfortunately, um, it's not only that. You would need a little bit more than that. And- Thinking Forty with the game's greatest thinker, Rick Stewart. Sorry about being late. I was having a beer with Des. <laughs> having a beer with Des. Oh, I'd love to have a beer with. Oh, imagine what the boys get up to. Imagine the conversation between Rick and Des. Fantastic. By the way, notice he said we'd be in the grand final. He didn't say we'd win it. And and I would be just just be my ultimate nightmare that if they had a courage and effort grand final that they'd be playing for the resilience cup. Oh, and the consistency <laughs> cup. <laughs> but let's get on to on to happier things. Ron Pappenhausen. Ron Pappenhausen's back, and Ron Pappenhausen's looking good, and he's back from the head knock, and he's playing great, and the mullet's fantastic, and he's got a moustache that's worthy of commentary, and he's become. Because of the moustache, because of the face, because of the mullet, what's he become the face of, Chris? Well, I mean, the, there was a concern that Ryan, after that uh, terribly um, severe knock he took for Falmiano earlier in Magic Round, that uh, maybe he lost some confidence. And then Joey Johns gave him some advice, which was to get out there and get smashed. And against your boys, Elliot Whitehead, Julia Blythe. But it was really only against the Gold Coast Titans that it, it looked like the Pappenhausen speed was coming back. And that gives him the chance to play a couple of public-facing roles. But to get a sense of the speed, let's hear some of the call from that game involving said Pappenhausen. Campbell slides to take it over the sideline. A couple of whippets in action there. A fox and a whippet, perhaps. Yeah, great to see them running, both all of them. <laughs> so that was that was Josh Adokar trying to chase down a kick. And uh, the young Jaden Campbell coming across to save it. And there was a discussion about whippets and foxes. And off the back of that, the, the, the situation invariably turned to Pappenhausen because it turns out that he's not only been 
awarded the being the public face of in Australia of F45 fitness centres, a la Mark Wahlberg. He's also now the public face of greyhound racing. <laughs> and, I mean, this is, this is a whole new regime of fast animals that we can bring into the discussion, whippets, foxes, greyhounds. I love this development and it's great to have Pappenhausen back and I feel better about things and maybe it's not guaranteed that Penrith are going to get the cup this year. So, speed, greyhounds, other sports like greyhounds and, and whippets. And there's other disciplines that we've seen this weekend, not just greyhound racing, whippet racing and fox racing and fox hunting. We've also seen some yoga. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, this is a really good point is that rugby league has to reinvent itself because it seems to be under attack as we've been highlighting from so many other things. So, Look for the links. Look for the link between fitness and rugby league, tenuous as it might be. Look for the link between greyhound racing and rugby league, which is much more obvious to me. And if the players can show that they've got range, other people will go, you know what, I'm interested. So somewhat driven by the current pandemic, the St. George Illawarra Dragons and the Sydney Roosters took their trade and they plied it at Toowoomba on the weekend, Dennis. And did you catch that game? Did you mm-hmm. catch the flowers? Did you catch the sunshine? I did see it, and it was a mis- Toowoomba's a beautiful town. It's a wonderful town. In fact, rugby league, the music was played up there a couple of times. It was a, It's a great town, but it was a miserable game that they were given. It was, I mentioned in the opener, there was just drop balls. The Roosters were woeful. I'm sure, as you've mentioned, the Roosters fans thought it was heroic and resilient, etc., etc., etc. But it was a dog ordinary game but there was there was one tackle where Fred has shown Jared Weirer Hargraves uh, he was kind of bent over backwards with his knees on the ground and this is a great piece of yoga flexibility it's a great great way of opening up your hips where you you, you put your buttocks like you bring your, your heels up to your buttocks on the ground and you lean back as far as you can it's called the saddle pose and it's designed to open up your hip flexors to open up and to and he showed how good he was at it. The guy's a yo- an absolute yogi. Well, Supercoach Robbo, in a humorous presser, made reference to the fact that JWH has been going down hard on the Pilates and the yoga. And we all know that's not a joke. Mm. That's exactly what they do in the eastern suburbs. And it's paid off deluxe because, to me, it looked like he was bent over triple and, and looked like he was something out of, like, tap dogs or something. You know, one of those things where they make the big sort of on-the-knees slide yep. to the front of the stage. Did it on his ear. That's the one. Yep. And everyone everyone was sort of writing him off for the, this season and next season. He got up and he carted at 10 metres within 30 seconds of said incident. But it said to all those eastern suburbs types who are drinking their lattes, going to their Pilates, doing their yoga and not getting double vaccinated, you probably should because then you can get along to Nick's Super Stadium and see this type of caper courtesy of the Sydney Roosters. Well, in the same game, we saw other disciplines revealed and that was the discipline a whole raft of styles of stripping that we had one play where a roosters a, a, a dragons player wrapped up the ball and then kind of rolled away and it wasn't called a strip i, I think that the correct term that henry perinara in the in the video no he wasn't in the box who was in the box what even ash oh, i was perinara it was definitely henry it was it was h yeah. he said it's not it's not a strip he actually said what you'll find is wrapping the ball and then rolling away rather than having a stripping motion, that's a burlesque. It was yeah. a burlesque, not a strip. Yeah. And as such, it, it was no penalty. Then shortly, within 30 seconds, the, the, the Dragons got the ball back from that. They run downfield. And Tedesco puts his hand in, and his hand just has a little flick. 
And he said, no, 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 that's a stripping motion. So Tedesco was a stripper. The Dragons were a mere burlesque. And then they scored a try off the back of it. Josh, um, friend of the show, what's his name? Josh Maguire, the hooker. <laughs> the hooker <laughs> that friend of a scored a try. So we've got burlesque into a stripper, into a hooker, try. What a marvellous mixture of metaphors. Which is why the NRL referees for their end of season trip each year do go to Vegas and they think big. They're not thinking Cavill Avenue, White Rhino. They're thinking Spearmint Rhino <laughs> on the Vegas Strip where they do a lot of deep diving, investigating what's actually involved in a stripping motion. And that research has proved invaluable in explaining when a strip isn't a strip in the NRL. Well, I can tell you, as far as Cabaret goes, more first current first grade referees have been to Rugby League the musical than have current first grade players. Is that right? Big fans. Chris Butler? Butts is one that hasn't. He's seen he's seen bits and pieces of the show at presentation, but he hasn't actually been to his show, whereas about half a dozen have actually come to the show. <laughs> They've even paid for have tickets. You the, <laughs> have you had the Suttons there? <laughs> the other ones that haven't been. <laughs> but there was more. <laughs> there was more. So like, when you're talking about burlesque, you're pretty much talking about martial arts. <laughs> And, yes. And Rabalawa, he came in. It was almost reminiscent of um, Billy Slater, who, well, it was the Roosters fullback, Minichello, that went nuts one year and started going full kung fu on um, on the Raiders fullback. And he, he somehow did, he got, didn't get suspended because it's not his go. That's right. Well, well, there were elements of Minichello. There were elements of Vernavali trying to hurdle his defender down there at Amy Park. But it was a full-on kung fu kick from Rabalara. Directed in the uh, sent in the direction of Teddy Tedesco, who, let's face it, was having an essay of a game. I mean, it was an absolute masterpiece. And uh, Ravalara, who's had a few, dare I say, brain snaps, including uh, a shoulder attack for which he was successfully charged and convicted, I think out at Anzac Day in the concomitant fixture earlier in the season, he's just gone the full flying kick. And it just took me all the way back to when in 1973, Anthony Scott's mother took me and some other kids after Barry Knight's cricket school to see Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. It was just absolutely magnificent. We don't get offered to use the expression Kung Fu, but Ravalawa has just produced a Kung Fu kick. Trust any wider. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards that you're right. I got the wrong, yes. the wrong game. Call your phone today. No. Call your phone today, Jim. Um, I have no intelligence. That's what I'm suggesting. Wayne Bennett, as you know, is moving back to Queensland at the end of the year, and he's a he's a man of the bush. We know that. He's actually been touring around country New South Wales of late. And he was in Bathurst on the weekend, and he gave his thoughts on it. 
Look at a few things, you know, lots of good things we did there tonight, so it's a lot better than Dubbo. <laughs> now, if he was in Bathurst, that's, you know, you go through Lithgow on the way to Bathurst. Was he maybe, was he the 30-year-old in the car with Josh Dugan? <laughs> well, it was dark. It was 11.30 at night. And it's, you know, and, and Wayne actually put a, put a baseball cap on and a high collar. It's not... Not crazy in that yeah. sort of, and they keep saying that they keep saying he's winding back the clock. True, yeah. and I mean, I mean, if if there's one guy that could say, "Look, dudes, I think I can s- squeeze some final bit of juice out of you," a la Benji Marshall, it's probably <laughs> Wayne's a farm boy as well. He loves the farm. Maybe they were actually going to feed animals. And and, and as you know, the uh, the initial Zoom call was held yesterday with the National Rugby League and the three candidates for the 17th franchise, the Firehawks, the Jets, and the Dolphins, right? So there's every chance that Wayne's positioning Dukes to be the public face of, say, the Firehawks because they've got Shane Richardson on. I don't know if you saw Richardson last night, but he looks like the Unabomber <laughs> right now. So, so, so Dukes could be the presentable face of the Queensland Firehawks. You heard it here first. Well, it's good sheep farming land around Bathurst. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> really, Dennis? What's the major products? What are what are the major agrarian activities in the Bathurst region? Well, there's a quite there's quite a good farm back trail. We don't want to get into the we don't want to get into the planned summer content, which is um, agriculture in, in New South Wales. Correct. <laughs> so on the other side of the coin, you got the eels are obviously the the punching bag right now, and they um they just love love getting into them. Poor Ken had this to say. There's not a lot of football intellect in that room, to be fair. Now, a room with no footy intellect coming from a room that features Kent Crawley Hooper. <laughs> and he's having a go at another club for their football intellect. I take umbrage at that. I take umbrage at that because he's talking about their reputed uh, recruitment committee, which includes no greater illuminary than the great Mark O'Neill. 2005 Premiership winner for the West Tigers. There's football IQ to burn in that room. Yeah, Sorry. I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, Mark O'Neill is one of them. Brad Arthur, he's football IQ. I guess the jury's out. Uh, Mark O'Neill is, uh, what, like nearly 200 games, Premiership winner, um, West Ti- yes. very important part of that West Tigers season if he didn't really feature too much at the end. And then the other one that they have there is Ben Rogers. Ben Rogers played a bit of first grade. Here's who he played for. Rabbit. Yep. Panther, <laughs> dragon. <laughs> is, is Ben Rogers, that wasn't the guy that uh, Gordon Tallis wailed into, was it, one day? No, it was Ben Ross. All oh, right. Yeah. Close. Uh, ben Rogers is a handy footballer in his own right. But moving on to the Tigers, who are the ultimate whipping boys in the league at the moment. A few weeks ago, I told you about how when people describe the Tigers, they're saying, you know, that they're, at least they're alive. Last week, Brent Tate said, well, at least it's a game of football. Yes. And this week, we had the, uh, the sharp intellect of, of Shane Flanagan casting an eye over them. They look so powerful going through the middle, and then they want to shit. You've got to sense it. <laughs> so hard to, it's not hard to see where it's going from. I, I watched that game, and seriously, Flanagan just tells you, you know the, the old Richie Benoit principle is don't tell people what they can see? Yeah. Yeah. All Flanagan tells you is what you can see. Yeah, yeah. uh, That was a tough game to watch because, you know, whilst we're still a mathematical possibility, we're cooked. And there were glimpses, but I've come to a theory that the Tigers 
finally have been crucified by the documentary. I've been supporting it all the way along up until revelations during the week that did you guys catch the the test by on Amazon Prime? Yes. By the Australian cricketers. Mm-hmm. It was revealed that Justin Langer negotiated his own appearance fee on that documentary. How much do you reckon Justin Langer got paid to be on the test? Oh, bit of publicity, bit of PR. Should be what's, good. What's your what's your appearance fee on this show, Chris? Just for context. Yeah, well, it's, it's first, <laughs> well, the answer first of all is higher. <laughs> what do you reckon he got? Just give me a figure. Fifty grand. Be in that docker. Fifty grand. He got forty. Right. It's come to light that the players did a bulk deal, and each of them, even some guy who actually didn't play in any of the test matches, they each got eighty. Right. The entire squad got eighty grand each. Now the West Tigers have. Heard, but hang on, I'm assuming they're getting zero, <laughs> and they yep. were very distracted by that piece of information. Hence, we went down up at Redcliffe to the, a very impressive Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. I must say, um, it seems to me a big answer in rugby league is get halves that can run fast. Yeah. Are we out of Janet Jackson facts, or do we have to cycle back to the start? Here's a tough one for you, boys. What do Herb Alpert, Joni Mitchell, Chuck D and Heavy D have in common? Well, sure, they can't be Janet Jackson. <laughs> they all, all worked. They all worked collaboratively with Janet Jackson on Janet Jackson's duets album. <laughs> well, the, the first part of that was right. They're all collabs <laughs> with Janet Jackson. Whew. Close. That might be it. I, I'm going to limp over the line, but by the, by the semi-finals, we're finished with the Jackson bits. Well, who knows what happens between now and the semi-finals? Maybe she gives us some more facts. Yeah, she rekindles <laughs> her romance with romance with Daniel Vito. Oh, that's unbelievable! <laughs> it is unbelievable, isn't it? Let's move on, Pat. Uh, so we're talking about the West Tigers documentary. Emma Dominey said a fun drinking game would be drink whenever Madge swears. <laughs> and watch Ep 2. <laughs> Try and get through 10 minutes of it conscious. <laughs> For those of us struggling through lockdown, that might be that might be a way through. I, I, I don't want to be difficult or unfair, but I'm telling you, if you, if you played that game, you'd be uh, um, introducing yourself to Curtis Scott fairly quickly at a, at a communal meeting, I imagine. <laughs> uh, Liam Byrne said that the uh, West Tigers season's going the way of the West Tigers Leagues Club. <laughs> yes, they posted some pictures of the meth lab, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And, the, yeah. and the really, really disturbing thing about those pictures are they're from five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was like this. There's two great tours of once of faded glory you can do. One is the pictorial tour of uh, what was formerly Balmain Leagues Club at Roselle or the meth lab as we like to call it. And is the original Big Brother house at Dreamworld. That is really scary. Ooh. We've got uh, the Bulldogs or uh, the media outlet escapes in the moment, but they're talking about the summer of gas at Bulldogs that is going to clean it out, which got us thinking about the summer of gas and perhaps hot gas summer. Um, <laughs> and Terry Bull pointed out that it's that you can't pluralize it as we've as we talked about it to so be the summer of gas. <laughs> <laughs> The still on the West Tigers, we had the the try to Adam Dewey that got disallowed. That you know, uh, where's where's the bloke supposed to go? Where the um, he got pulled back off the scrum. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where's he supposed to go? He can't disappear. All that kind of stuff. Um, and Terry Bull pointed out that there is some. Um, you can actually get the 
the behind the scenes footage of the bunker. I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. <laughs> Rolling on that try. Can, you, can I tell you, as a beleaguered Tigers fan, that was our last roll of the dice. And when you got penalised for staying bound in a scrum, yeah. you just go, it ain't our year yet again. I like the small detail of that that Flanagan was saying, that's fine as a former coach, like that's fine. And that thing of like, where do you want him to go? The prop doesn't know when the scrum is breaking and all that kind of stuff because he won a premiership with that play. That's exactly right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, at some stage, like, cheating the salary cap's going to come up and he's going to be like, ah, oh, it's fine, every team does it, or, like, performance enhancing, like, I say, just let them all do it. It's a better competition. <laughs> he's, he's, he's waiting for the right moment to reference Melbourne. I just know he is. Tim Pittman said that uh, Morgan Harper should be our guy bringing back. Um, yes, I saw that. Tim Pittman was asking whether Morgan Harper was the heir to the Soul Gloss franchise as featured in Coming to America. Soul Glow. Yeah, he should be because he's got, he's got that. He's got a bit of Lionel Richie. There's so much going on there. And then finally, this is a good way to hand off to Chris. I posted a photo of Brian Danielson doing a, a, a what, I forget what the submission's called, on... Mark it was a crossface, wasn't it? Crossface, yes. So I searched crossface and here's what came up. And then I think in the same way that Martin Tapao's deal was leaked, Ben Walter King said that Brian, Daniels- Brian Danielson has apparently signed with uh, NRL over AEW. So I don't know what that means, but I might be breaking news like Martin Tapao when the email got sent to the wrong manager. <laughs> so, so I can interpret that for you, Pat. So AEW is all, elite, is all Elite Wrestling, which is the rival uh, company that's set up to the WWE. And Brian Danielson's a wrestler who wrestled in the WWE as Daniel Bryan. So there's a, there's a few balls to be kept in the air there, but it certainly um, we- worked beautifully in the image, as did your image of the uh, – Parramatta Reels front-loading a uh, washing machine oh, yeah. or top-loading. <laughs> we should have they a rule on the podcast that um, Dennis and I can talk about grammar for as long as you can talk about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dennis and I have a grammar conversation in the bank coming up. <laughs> Good. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Chris's Cookie Corner. So, Coming to America, as highlighted to us by Tim Pittman, raises the question, has anyone seen Coming to America 2? I didn't think so. I have. Uh, did they do? Oh, did they do was coming- oh you know what? I, I actually watched Coming to America the other night. This because normally, if the Raiders have a win on a Sunday night, my indulgent treat for myself is to watch, rewatch the Raiders' victory. They haven't had a lot, so <laughs> I've been doing some indulgence, and that was one of the indulgences was watching Coming to America. Um, just last weekend, actually, I had a can of Cold Gold KB. <laughs> And I watched Coming to America and I loved it. And a few weeks ago, I did indeed sit and I watched Coming to America too. And if you're someone who loves Coming to America far more than you should, um, it's it's kind of like, you know, when they have a reprise at the end of a musical and people come out and sing little bits of their song and there's that, that encore section. It's just that. It's, it's all. It's there's no There's nothing new in there, but all the characters that you love, they all turn up. It's just a little... I wouldn't, but if you hadn't seen it. Are they influenced by Rugby League the Musical? Possibly. If you haven't seen Coming to America a dozen times because you're a lunatic and love it, do not watch this film. Do not watch it. and It has nothing for you. 
Takes me back to the times where Arsenio Hall was a thing. Um, Brad O'Kane <laughs> said, and he saw, saw Dennis and uh, Pat has put up as one of the videos on our Facebook page, you doing part of at least your opening monologue from one of these episodes. He goes, not going to lie, I thought Dennis was Mick Meredith until I saw the video. <laughs> turns, out, <laughs> turns out they look very different. Well, that's the beautiful uh, value of modern technology because Dennis is actually a dead ringer for Mick Meredith, but we dress up the image. So thanks <laughs> I'm, for the I'm feedback. Mick, I'm Mick Meredith's cadaver. <laughs> two, two footy show greats. <laughs> and- and, and look, just because time permits and uh, there's a couple of things I didn't get out earlier, I just wanted to highlight the fact that uh, everybody was talking about the fact that because they're sharing the Novotel at Southbank in Brisbane, that the Sharks and the Tigers who shared the plane to and from Rocky were contesting the Novotel Cup. There hasn't mm. been as nearly as much publicity about the contesting of the unregistered Guest Cup when Penrith took on South and Appy Coruscant got bragging rights yet again over Jai Arrow for their origin infractions. And finally. Well, that's uh, them sharing a hotel now is um, is a change from a few years ago when they just shared the same team. I'm unregistered guests. <laughs> and in late breaking news, uh, this just came across my desk, guys, from the great uh, Dean Bulldog Richie. Uh, now, you guys will be familiar with Billy Magulus, Magulus, sorry, Magulius. From the, uh, Magulius. Yep. Yeah, Magulius. And he's wonderful work for the Newtown Jets, who are still the reigning Interstate Cup premiers and knock-on effect premiers because they don't get to finish their seasons anymore. Well, Billy's been shopped around by Pacific Sports Management's Adam Doyle. And he says the Cronulla lot would be a perfect fit for West Tigers, Canterbury, Canberra or Brisbane. <laughs> I'm saying, Adam, keep going. St. George, Illawarra, <laughs> Gold Coast, Warriors, Cowboys, Storm. Broncos, what is wrong with you? Broncos Do your job, middle. Adam. Do your job. And look, Dennis, are we at that point where I uh, add a little bit of colour and light to everybody's look, existence? This has been this this has been a very difficult podcast because of the, as we've said at the start, the collapse of Channel 9 because of the miserable football. So, Chris, can you give us finally some joy, something more to hate the Roosters at four? A new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters. Now, there's a lot of talk about whether Bellyache will be resting players as he's wont to do in the lead up to the semifinals in the final rounds. And he said last night uh, on, I think, 100% footy from memory uh, that he would do it progressively. And Roosters coach Trent Robinson was asked the same thing. Would you be resting players before the finals? And he said, I don't think we've ever disrespected the game, the product or the jersey. I think the players that don't play each week are still very good players. We don't hand out anything for free. Now, sure, he said that last year, but he's applying it again this year saying, I'm not going to rest any players. We haven't got any rest, Robbo. Stop trying to make a virtue (laughs) out of the fact that you can do nothing about it. They're having trouble naming 21, so don't give me any of this respect the jersey stuff. That's another reason to hate the Sydney. I know that maybe two reasons to hate the Roosters it might be stretching it for the week, but uh, Terry Bull posted this in, in Blown Up Deluxe. The Roosters posting about their win against the uh, the Brave Dragons on the weekend. Tricolors triumph in Toowoomba with Tupu triple. Another reason to hate the Roosters. Oh, there's plenty of them. By the way, Daniel Tupu, who I actually really admire as a football, that guy does not smile. He no. once bunged on four tries against us at a fairly wet Allianz Stadium. Didn't crack it for a smile. And I don't think a little bit of clever alliteration by the Sydney Roosters press gallery. Clever? <laughs> well, not that clever, is it? Is going to bring a smile to his face. Do better. 
City Roosters, do better. <laughs> there was, I did see one article suggesting that the Eels are going to rest some players. <laughs> <laughs> the season. It was actually Brad Arthur presaging it. Like, I can't remember against the Storm. Are they playing the Storm? They just played the Storm. They played the Storm this week. Yeah. And then Penrith, yeah. He's talking about resting players against the Storm. <laughs> Any- Melbourne can um, save rugby league by going ham against Para this week oh. and then resting their players the week after against Cronulla. Oh, and that will put the Raiders out of the semis if Cronulla win that game. But I think it's time we wrap this up. We've been fired up, and thank you all for listening. Please join the Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group. Follow us at Fire Up NRL on Twitter. I'm Dennis Carnahan with Chris Gale. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Pat. And just to finish up this week, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Another week of tragedy. James Maloney has said that he's going to be retiring from rugby league, and he's a personal favourite of mine because of his mischievousness. A couple of years ago, I wrote a song about him. I've given a little update. So maybe we'll finish the show this week with a song. He's thrown a shoe here, or somebody literally has thrown the shoe about 14 rows into the grandstand. Footballers love their boots, like Sarah Jessica Parker loves shoes. I like them a lot. It's hard to play without two, nobody wants to wear one shoe. So who threw Kevin Gordon's shoe? Ferguson is out on the plane. They must have thrown back Ferguson's too. Would have been Maloney who threw it. Maloney who threw, he loves to throw a shoe or two. Someone threw it into the bleachers. He wants to, yes, he wants to, yes, to throw a shoe or two. James Maloney likes to throw, to throw a shoe or two. But since then, it's happened again. Lost his boot. He threw Gillette's shoe in origin. Corey Allen's boot been through. Corey Allen's boot drove him insane. He threw it away as he ran through. Thrown 30 metres downfield. A good list. The NRL has banned shoe fetishists. I like them a lot. What's Paul Maloney to do? He really loves to throw a shoe. Maloney loves to throw a shoe. He wants to, yes, he wants to, yes, to throw a shoe or two. James Maloney likes to throw and throw a shoe or two. He wants to, yes, he wants to, yes, to throw a shoe or two. He loves to throw a shoe or two. That's what he'll do. Who throws a shoe? Honestly.